Welcome in episode 33 of the Print Fest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy. We're here to break down the week five DraftKings main slate. Scott, what is going on? Oh, man, this is an interesting slate. Um, most of the, you know, elite teams in the NFL are off the slate this week. We got no Seattle. We got no Rams. They played last night, obviously. We got no Chiefs, no Bills, no Ravens. So um, it's definitely an interesting slate. But I think it's shaping up to be pretty fun. Yeah, I think quarterback is relatively straightforward. Um, you know, Trey Lance down at 5,700 making his starting debut. Um, against Arizona in a fast-paced game, should be a shootout. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts up at 7K, Kyler Murray for going up top. You got Dak Prescott up there. Um, Kirk Cousins is in a nice spot, Daniel Jones. So I think quarterback, you know, quarterback ownership never really gets too, too crazy. Um, but I think in cash games, I think Trey Lance will probably end up being the highest owned just because he is the cheapest and he offers a ton of rushing upside. Um, you know, we saw that at rushing – uh, it's just last week when he played in only a half of the game and had 41 rushing yards. Um, and, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, everyone's going to talk about how he scored 20 points and a half last week. Um, but, I mean, he really was not all that efficient at all. And that he had a, a massive broken play to Debo Samuel for like a 70-yard touchdown. So, um, you know, those broken plays aren't going to happen every week. But I think Trey Lance, I mean, they, they traded up multiple picks to get up to this guy. He is the guy that Kyle Shanahan wanted to go get. I think they're going to design this offense around him. And Arizona is actually really bad again against the run. I mean, 17% of the rushing plays against Arizona have gained at least 10 yards. So, I mean, that, that's a league high. So this is a, a defense that really can't stop the run. And I think they're going to design a bunch of runs for Trey Lance. It's what he primarily did in college. Um, I mean, the downsides here, are that he's not all that cheap. He's 5,700, so he's not all that cheap. He's only 1,300 cheaper than Jalen Hurts, who offers, I mean, just massive, massive upside. and has a really nice floor. Um, we'll talk about him in a minute. But uh, I, I don't see this being a Justin Fields uh, scenario where he just completely bottoms out. I think that the coaching and the, the offensive system around Trey Lance are a little bit more conducive to – um, not completely bottoming out. What are your thoughts on Trey Lance? Yeah, there's two things stick out to me with Trey Lance. One is the game environment, you know, going on, going up against Arizona. We know that Kyler is probably the front runner for league MVP right now, and he's going to show up. San Fran's defense has not looked good. So definitely expect Arizona to put some points on the board, which is going to force, you know, Shanahan and Lance to, you know, uh, hit the gas a little bit and, you know, try to keep up. Um, so I don't necessarily think that's going to be a game where they can just prioritize run, 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 run. I think they're going to have to keep up a little bit. Uh, I mean, in the four games that Arizona's played, they've scored, I think, 31 is the lowest amount they've scored this year so far. They scored like 38, 37, 34, and 31. Hmm. Um, so that sticks out. Secondly, Kyle Shanahan being the coach of the Niners sticks out to me as well. It's not a Matt Nagy. You know, trying to, you know, shield Justin Fields from the world. He won't let Fields throw. He won't let him run. I don't think that's the case with Shanahan. Shanahan, like you said, they moved up. They salvaged their entire future for this guy. Yeah. Shanahan's a smart. He's one of the, he's, you know, we perennially talk about him as one of the best play callers in the NFL. So I completely expect him to put Lance in, you know, situations where he can succeed. 
you know, if, if we know that, you know, Trey Lance is not that polished as a pocket passer, then I'm sure that Shanahan's well aware of that. And he's going to, you know, try to, you know, set him up for success, whether it's through design runs, RPOs, play action, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, at 5,700, I'm expecting Trey Lance to be the most popular quarterback on the slate because really all the top guys are gone. Russ off the slate, Lamar, Stafford, uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen, none of them are on the slate. It's really, it's really just Kyler, Dak, Hertz, and, and Lance for the most part. So I think he sets up really well. Uh, so I'll, I'll just move up all the way at the top. For me, it's Lance or it's Kyler right now, Kyler 8K. Uh, it is a steep price tag, but like I said, he is the far and away the best fantasy quarterback on this slate, I think. He's arguably the, the league MVP. You know, this this game has a 49 over under. I don't know why people are betting this down. They can open up in like 52 or 53. Uh, so I like the over. <clears throat> and the cards have a 29 implied team total. So I think it's either the highest or the second highest on the slate. San Fran's along the fifth most uh, points to opposing quarterbacks, over 23 points a game. They fail to get pressure at all. I think they, they get pressure on the quarterback like fifth at the fifth lowest clip in the league, while the Cardinals allow pressure at the fifth lowest clip in the league. So I really expect Kyler to sit back all day. He's going to have a 10 seconds every play to throw in their damn pocket. Like, they're not going to get any pressure on him. I think he's just going to pick this defense apart. And he hasn't even been unleashed on the ground. Like, he hasn't really been running that much this year. And I don't know if that's been by design or if it's just, you know, variance. But last year, he averaged 51 rushing yards per game. And this year, we've only gotten 27 per game. It's that same token, 8.3 attempts last year, only 5.8 this year. Now, that might be by design. Cardinals and Kingsbury might be trying to have him run less to, you know, prioritize his health a little bit. But if we do get to see that rushing floor open up a little bit, it's just going to make him even more elite. Like, he literally has, like, a 22, 23-point stone floor in any given week because of how, you know, elite he is on the ground and through the air right now. So, it, it, for me, it's Lance or it's Kyler. Yeah, of course, man. I, I'm with you on Kyler. He's the most efficient quarterback in the league right now, averaging nine and a half yards per attempt. So, I mean, he's he's absolutely crushing. He's averaging 29 and a half DraftKings points per game. He's He is 8K. But we do have some value on the slate. If you want to get up to Kyler, I mean, he's an absolute smash. Um, if you're looking for the mid-range, I just want to touch on uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, so through eight career stars now for Jalen Hurts, he's fourth all-time in fantasy points. I mean, he's had 23, 41, 27, 17 in a game where he played uh, a half a game where they pulled him at halftime, 29, 22, 25, and 31. So he's averaging 26 and a half. Points per game. I mean, he, he's an absolute, absolute stud. Um, and so he's taking on Carolina, which, you know, they, they are a decent defense. Uh, they just got absolutely shredded by Dallas uh, to kind of humble them a little bit. But, I mean, they blitz the hell out of everybody. I mean, they blitz 42% of the time and hurts against the blitz. Uh, he has 410 yards. He has eight and 8.7 yards per attempt. And he has four touchdowns and no interceptions. So, um, I, I think if they start to blitz him, uh, as we expect, uh, he's probably going to shred them. And then, um, you know, Hertz also leads the NFL in, with 19 scrambles for 150 yards. And Carolina just allowed 35 rushing yards to Dak Prescott, who has a busted leg and doesn't really want to run. Um, 
uh, and they allowed 35 yards and a touchdown to New Orleans quarterbacks in week two. So, you know, with them blitzing so much, it kind of leaves the door open for Hurts to kind of scramble out of the back door. Um, and if they don't get home on their blitzes, I mean, it could be a massive rushing day for him. His rushing prop is 44 and a half yards, and I took the over on that. Um, so, you know, this year he's averaging 57 rushing yards per game. So that's, that's leading the slate. So his massive floor, he's got a really solid ceiling just with the rushing. And, um, yeah, I, I like him a lot at 7K. Yep, I agree. That rushing floor just makes him a nice play every single week. I don't care about the Panthers. They got exposed last week. I, think, I still think they're, you know, pretty good defense. But for fantasy purposes, as long as Hurts is running, everything that he does through the air is just, you know, an added bonus. He doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes through the air uh, when he can run like that. Similar to the same way, same thing we're expecting from Trey Lance. Uh, similar on to how we used to view Kyler Murray as well. So, yeah, he's always going to be a nice play. Moving over to running back, um, all the way up top, we have Derrick Henry. He's all the way up at 9K. Um, if Chris McCaffrey was healthy, he would be the play here. But he's, you know, he's 8,700, and he is uh, doubtful to the game. He practiced limited with that hamstring injury. I'm guessing they're probably going to hold him out, so we're not going to have access to Chris McCaffrey on this slate. So all the way up top, Derrick Henry, the big dog, 9K at home. Or no, sorry, they are, they are on the road taking on Jacksonville. But they have a 26 implied total. They're four-point favorites. Derrick Henry's averaging 28.1 DraftKings points per game. He's playing 67% of snaps. He's averaging 31.8 touches per game. I mean, this guy is getting absolutely fed. Just I, I don't know how we can fade 31 touches against Jacksonville. Um, he's even more involved in the passing game, as we've mentioned the last couple of weeks. I think we've played him like every week he's been on the slate so far this year. He's averaging 3.8 targets per game for a 10.6% target share. I mentioned uh, last week that his career um, target share is in the range of 6%. So he's bumped that up four extra percentage points. That's awesome. And he's averaging 159 yards from scrimmage per game. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think we can fade him. Jacksonville, you know, they're only allowing 3.4 yards per carry to opposing running backs, but um, 25.9 DraftKings points per game. So uh, I, I can't fade Derrick Henry. What are your thoughts on Henry? I agree. No McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook is still hampered. I wouldn't be shocked if he was inactive or limited like we saw last week. And with those two and those in that condition and Derrick Henry getting over 30 touches a game every single week, his rushing prop continues to be out of this world every single week. His involvement in the passing game, Julio's ruled out again. Uh, A.J. Brown's probably going to play, but Julio's out. Like, I just don't – like, he realistically right now should be like 10K on DraftKings, especially with no McCaffrey, Dalvin beat up. You know, Kamara has not been the same with, you know, they've – New Orleans has basically just turned Alvin Kamara into Nick Chubb. Like, he's just a – he's just a between-the-tackles grinder right now for whatever reason. But, yeah, it, it, you cannot fade Henry right now. He He's just – the volume is just unbelievable with this guy. And until he gets hurt or something, like you, you, we just have to lean on him every single week until we get McCaffrey back. Another guy that we really like is Ezekiel Elliott at 7K. Uh, Dallas, they're seven-point home favorites against the Giants to 52-and-a-half total. Um, you know, there's been a lot of narratives about Zeke this year. 
Uh, I feel like every time you look at Twitter, someone has something to say. But despite all that, Zeke's still playing 75% of the snaps. He's fourth in the league in rushing. He's running for 5.3 yards per carry, which is amazing. He has 10 red zone carries to Pollard's three. He's running a route on 55% of dropbacks. That's really nice. Um, so, like, for where, for everything that people want to say about Tony Pollard, like, this is still Zeke's backfield. Um, and furthermore, you know, in games when Dallas is playing with a lead, they're really prioritizing the run. Um, 34 carries, only 22 pass attempts last week. Uh, and 41 rush attempts, only 26 pass attempts against Philly. Both those games, they led for almost the entirety of the game. And the thing is that they're running the ball so efficiently that why would they stop? I mean, Zeke and Pollard are just completely trucking teams. So, um, this and it's another game. They're seven-point favorites against a really bad Giants team. If they get out to a lead, look for them to prioritize the run a little more. Um, you know, the Giants do allow 4.6 yards per carry in their 26th DVOA against the run. So, I expect Zeke and Pollard to both truck them. Um, so at 7K, like the only thing with Zeke is that we haven't been getting the um, target volume despite him running a, a route on more than half of Dak's dropback. So if we get any kind of positive regression there, it's just going to be the cherry on top. So Zeke has a really strong play this week. Uh, I, I echo every single sentiment with Zeke. The game environment is absolutely perfect. It's the second fastest paced game on the slate at home. Massive total, massive favorites. Um, yeah, I, I love Zeke in this spot. He's getting all the stuff inside the 10. It's he He's as good a bet to score a touchdown in this spot as anyone. The Cowboys offensive line is absolutely mowing people over right now. This is the best offensive line in the league. They are back. Um, they're, they're trucking people. I love, I, yeah, I, I love Zeke at 7K. He To me, I, I, I'm not fading Zeke. I'm not fading Henry. These two guys are blue chip players they they are in blue chip positions this is the one of the best spots on the slate 7k it's just too cheap he should be at least seven five probably in the range of 8k so i i love zeke here uh one of the guys that we need to pay down for in order to pay up for zeke and henry is damian williams and you know and he's 5600 uh so dave montgomery is out the only other running back here on uh, the Bears is Khalil Herbert, who's a rookie um, out of Virginia Tech, who I do like, but um, you know, Damon Williams is the veteran here. I, I expect Damon Williams to come in here and probably play 70-plus percent of the snaps, get all of the passing down stuff. He might seed something on the goal line, um, but you know, taking on the Raiders, uh, they allow 4.6 yards. Per attempt, they allow 27.7 DraftKings points per game. They're 18th DVOA um, against the run. And, uh, you know, they, they've allowed 16% of their carries uh, against them to gain 10-plus yards, which is 31st in the league. So they allow a ton of explosive runs. I think Damian Williams still has some juice to him. Uh, 5,600 is a little bit too cheap for what I expect to be a three-down-plus goal line back. Goal line – Maybe not Herbert's a little uh, bigger than Damian Williams, so they might um, give the goal line to Herbert if they get down there. Um, but I expect a three-down roll for Damian Williams. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think Damian Williams is really strong at 5.6K. My favorite thing about this Damian Williams spot is that Matt Nagy just refused to, un refused to unleash Justin Fields. So he's trying to protect himself by not allowing – 
fields to run. He's barely throwing the ball at all. He wants to just jam the football between the tackles as much as possible. It's exactly what they did with David Montgomery. I don't think much is going to change. Um, I think the only thing that could make me feel a little bit better about Damian is if they did throw a little bit more because Damian's really, really solid in the, in the passing game. So, but, you know, despite that, like, um, you know, what did he see last week? Two targets after Montgomery went out. Um, I think he could probably expect hopefully four targets or so. It's hard to know because you just don't know what the passing ball is going to be. I mean, he, um, so he I, had 10 touches when Montgomery went out. That was like end of the third quarter, and he had 10 touches in the fourth quarter. So I, I expect him to be the guy. Yeah, I really hope that they, they do dump off to him a little bit. Um, but the fact of it is that Matt Nagy is going to try to protect Justin Fields and himself as much as possible. So um, I think Damian Williams is going to have a monster workload here. Another guy that I, I like uh, is James Robinson, and it really is just for the value. He's 6K this week. Uh, I just think he's just too cheap for the volume that he's been seeing with or without Carlos Hyde in there. He played 94% of the snaps last week when Hyde was out. Uh, it's all 19 touches. Now, Hyde has been practicing this week, and he's probably going to be back in there. Uh, but even in week three when Hyde was active, he had 21 touches. He's averaging 4.9 yards per carry this year. He's played the seventh most snaps in the league at running back, which is really surprising to me when I looked at that. He's got a 12.5% target share, which is nice. Uh, now DJ Chark's gone. So who knows if that could, you know, uh, provide a little uptick in his in his passing game usage. Who knows? Um, but it's also a good matchup. You know, the Titans, their, their defense is pretty pitiful. Their 24th DVOA against the run. Uh, it really just comes down to the price tag with Robinson. He's 6K. Like, I think he, he should probably be at least 6'6", maybe 6'7". His, his usage has been really solid. He's a really good player. Um, so, at 6K, I, I just think he's just too cheap. Yeah, he is. He is too cheap. 73% of the snaps. You know, I, I'm not really afraid of Carlos Hyde at all. Um, you know, he was out last week, so that kind of aided in, in James Robinson's numbers last week. Um, but I don't expect Carlos Hyde to play a major role anymore. I mean, he's – Carlos Hyde stinks, and James Robinson, he's he's a good player. Um, yeah, 6K, I, I like James Robinson a lot. Um, I do just want to touch on um, Leonard Fournette down at 5,200. If, if Gio is out, he's going to be really chalky as a massive home favorite against a defense in Miami that's a total sieve. I mean, they've allowed 33.5 DraftKings points per game to opposing backfields. I mean, they – have just gotten absolutely bludgeoned on the ground. And, you know, Fournette played 82% of the snaps last week with Gio out. So he would be a three-down-plus goal line back at home, massive total, perfect game environment, 5,200. If Gio's out, Fournette's an awesome play, um, at least I think. I know you don't really like Fournette. Uh, just because, that, I mean, that backfield has always been such a rotating door of who's going to be their bell cow. Uh, but I just I, I just think that the the tides have kind of turned and Rojo is is kind of done. Um, he, he can't do anything in pass protection. Tom Brady doesn't trust him. He can't catch the ball. He's a good runner between the tackles, but um, this is only this is only if Gio is out. Gio's out. It was questionable, and Arian said that he's good to go. So I doubt he's going to be out unless he trips up the stairs or something like that before the game. Um, but I, <laughs> I I know it, Fournette is such a tough tough play just because of this backfield's history. What are your thoughts on Fournette? You nailed it there. 
I've come around on him a little bit. I'm fine with him as a last guy in. Um, but it's just it's just a rotating door. Like Bruce Arians, it's just so hard to know what he's going to do any given week. Like if we if we came out this week and Rojo had 20 touches, like it would literally just be the same thing we've seen for the last two years. Now the Bruce Arians does seem to absolutely despise Rojo right now, and I it makes me a little bit more confident in the play. So I'm fine with him as a last guy, and it's just this backfield is just such a shit show. But yeah, if Geo's in, there's no shot you can play him. No, 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 no. This is only if Geo's out, just because like he's not going to get any of the pass catching stuff on the long down and distance. But if Geo's out, he's going to get all like the two minute drill dump offs, like stuff that's so so juicy for fantasy. Um, yeah, I, I like Fournette a lot if Geo's out. If he's in, it's kind of hard to play him. Anyone else at running back or you want to go to wide receiver? I, mean, I can touch quickly on DeAndre Swift. He's 6,100. Yes, he busted last week, but the underlying statistics are pretty strong. He is tied with the, with the team lead in targets, 18.6% target share, 7.3 targets a game. It's tied with T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, he's running around with 65% of dropbacks, third highest clip in the league. He's running 26.5 routes a game. at second in the league at running back. And they're 10-point dogs against Minnesota with a really solid 49-and-a-half total. That's exactly the scenario that we want to target for DeAndre Swift. We want them coming from behind. We want the dump balls from Jared Goff. I don't care how many touches he gets between the tackles. I want those 7, 8, 9, 10 targets from him. So uh, 6.1K, I think this is a perfect projected game script with him as 10-point dogs to Minnesota. Uh, so I think he's completely fine. I'm with you. I'm with you. We, we both played Swift last week. We got a floor game from him, but I'm perfectly fine going back to Swift. Um, I think I prefer James Robinson there, I think, um, but it's close. It's definitely close between those two. Moving over to wide receiver, let's let's just kick it off um, with Keenan Allen. I think he is a lock on this slate. He's averaging 11 targets per game. He has a 28% target share, 0.65 weighted opportunity rating, which is uh, top 10 in the league. Um, so all the opportunities there, he hasn't really been very efficient just because his dot is 8.8 this year. So it's a little shorter um, than what it typically is, but he's just getting peppered with targets. Um, you know, he has eight plus targets in every game. He has at least seven receptions or hundred yards in all four games. Um, so the consistency is right there. 6,500 is a little cheap for Keenan. Typically we see him in the 7k to 7274 range. Um you know, I think I saw his prop is like 75 and a half receiving yards. Typically for guys that are around 6'5 um, on DraftKings, I mean, you're going to see their prop around like, you know, 65, 70 yards. So I think that we're getting a little bit of value here on Keenan Allen. Um, and he's also averaging two red zone targets per game. So he's kind of their guys. They get in close, him and Big Mike, um, now with Hunter Henry out of there. So I, I think that, you know, taking on Cleveland, it's a pretty middling matchup. I mean, they're – they're decent against wide receivers, um, but they're also not great. I mean, they break 13th DVOA, so it's nothing to run away from. Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, awesome, awesome offense at home uh, in that awesome stadium at SoFi. Um, so it should be nice, you know, not to worry about weather or anything like that. Nice game environment. 11 targets per game at 6,500. That's basically the play. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen, 6,500. Like, I don't necessarily think he's a lock. I think he's a strong play, though. Uh, I don't really believe in this Mike Williams usage that we've been seeing. People are, t- you know, there's been chatter about him overtaking Keenan Allen as the one, and that's just nonsense to me. 
it's freaking Keenan Allen. He's one of the best receivers in the league. He's dominant. He's a dominant route runner. 6,500. He's pretty much a lock for eight plus targets every single week. My only concern in this game is I think it might be pretty low scoring. I like the under of 47, I think is what it is right now. I like the under there. I just think the Browns, like the Chargers, it just sets up for what the Browns like to do. Like the Chargers defense just asks you to run against them. And that's exactly what the Browns want to do. And it's two good defenses. I think this just could be end up being like a like a 20 to 17, like slow ball game. But it's Keenan Allen. Like he's still going to get the volume regardless. So uh, completely fine with that. It's just a game environment. It's not my favorite. Um, but at $6,500, like he's a 7K plus receiver every single week, regardless of matchup. Uh, I think my favorite receiver on the slate, and it's no surprise really, is Devontae Adams at 8.2K. Uh, what is there to say about this guy anymore? Like he's just an alpha coming into this week. He's averaging 11.25 targets a game, second in the league. 36% target percentage, second in the league. 493 air yards, fourth in the league. 0.81 weighted opportunity rating, second in the league. He's only got one touchdown through the first quarter of the season. That's really unusual for Adams, and that screams regression to me. He only has five red zone targets. We've seen him get five red zone targets in a damn game with Aaron Rodgers. So I think that's going to be a, a positive regression spot right there. We have to consider this guy every single week. The matchup against the Bengals is nothing to fear. Like, I think it's another game where you're going to get at least 10 targets from Adams. Um, the positive touchdown regression is coming for this guy. Like him and Rodgers, like he's going to score 10 touchdowns this year. And I would bet on him to score a touchdown in any given week against any other player for the most part. Um, so 8.2K, yes, he's expensive, but – I really like this game to shoot out. I like the over in this game. I like both all, both offenses, both defenses. I don't really respect that much. So uh, I think Adams is in for a really nice game here. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I love Adams. I, I mean, he's, he's always the guy. The only thing about this game is it could potentially be slow paced. But, you know, with Mixon being potentially out, I expect him to be out um, with that ankle injury. If he's out um, – you know, the Bengals are definitely going to be throwing the ball more. We saw the splits with Joe Burrow um, when Joe Mixon was out. I mean, they started throwing the ball so much more. So um, that kind of, you know, that kind of game environment could be nice with that massive total, second highest total on the slate. Um, that kind of leads me into T. Higgins, who's going to be on the other side of this game. He's coming back from it with his shoulder injury. He's been out for the last two weeks. He's coming off a long, long rest now. Um, now he's been out for basically um, two and a half weeks because they had that Thursday night game. Um, that he wasn't able to play in. So he should be fully ready to go. I think he's been limited the last couple of days in practice. Um, and we're recording this on Friday, so we'll have to look at his practice status. I haven't checked that, but um, he's projected as one of the best values on this slate. He's 5K, and he's the cheapest out of all these Bengals wide receivers between Chase Boyd and Higgins. He's the cheapest one. Um, and when he's out there, he's playing he, – so far this season, he's played 82% of the snaps. He's averaged 7.5 targets per game for a 26.9% target share. 0.62 weight opportunity rating is really solid. And he's the guy, when they get into the red zone, he's their guy. He's averaged 1.5 red zone targets per game. Um, and so far on the season, Green Bay has allowed 100% of their um, – on defense, they've allowed 100% of the drives that go against them to score touchdowns once they get into the red zone. So, um, obviously, we expect that to regress a little bit, probably to around the – 
you know, 67, 60 or 70% number, but T Higgins is their guy when they get in close and green Bay's has been dreadful on defense when they teams get into the red zone against them. Uh, and they are 20th DVOA against the pass. Um, Jair Alexander is probably going to miss this game. So um, I, I love T Higgins at 5k. Yeah. Jair Alexander is ruled out. He was DMP all week. Um, so he's already ruled out and T Higgins. I just checked. He was full go today at practice, so he's going to awesome. go as well. Awesome. Uh, 5K is just way too cheap. Like, he was the guy we were targeting when they all three were healthy because he's the alpha on his team right now with Jamar Chase as a rookie. I still think that T. Higgins is the best receiver as it currently stands, uh, and now he's the cheapest of 5K and a matchup against a terrible Green Bay secondary without a top three corner in the league. Like, that is just really, really juicy. And with no Mixon, and Mixon was also DNP all week, including today. Um, but no Mixon, they're going to have to fire it up. Unless, unless you know, freaking uh, – what's their coach's name? Zach Taylor. Unless he wants to get fired on the spot, jam P. Ryan and Chris Evans, 15 to 20 touches each, um, I expect that Joe Burrow is going to have to see 5-10 more pass attempts in this game. And you know Green Bay and Rodgers are going to show up. So, T.J. Ignis is a smash play. Um, I'm going to go all the way down to 3K with Curtis Samuel. This is just a clear misprice by DraftKings, in my opinion. Um, you know, last week he was 3K as well, coming off of the, uh, the short-term IR stint. He played 39% of the snaps. He saw a 12.1% target share. Uh, um, he which is really nice. And we know he's there. Um, and I looked into it. Ron Rivera said he, he failed to say that he re-aggravated anything. He just said they're taking it easy with him. Uh, but Samuel was on the practice field today. So my best bet is that Rivera is just, you know, taking a cautious approach to make sure he doesn't re-aggravate that, that injury. So I think he's good to go. And um, subsequently, Logan Thomas was put on IR and Deami Brown is also unlikely to play with a knee injury. So that really opens up a lot of targets on this offense. It's not a good matchup against New Orleans at all. It's actually probably the worst game environment on the slate, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, but he's 3K, and he is, when he's healthy, this is a $5,500 receiver. Um, I expect him to play more snaps this week run more routes, probably see a couple more targets. Um, so at 3K, I just think he's really strong. I wouldn't say he's a lock just because of the injury, but he's really, really strong at 3K. Yeah, he just opens up so much down at, all the way down at 3K. He, he, we know that he's a talented player. Um, he played 37% of snaps last week. I expect that to climb to probably over 50% as they kind of ease him back off the groin injury. He still had four targets last week, so – um, yeah, with no Logan Thomas, I think kind of opens things up just a little bit in this offense. I mean, it's, it's a terrible game environment. It's not a great offense at all with Taylor Heineke back there. But, uh, you know, we, we know how good Curtis Samuel is. 3K, I guess they just, like, forgot to move his price. If he was 4K, he wouldn't be as strong of a play. But 3K, that extra money kind of makes a difference on this slate. I want to touch on LaVisca Chenault. So with, with uh, DJ Chark out with his broken ankle, at 4,800, LaVisca Chenault taking on Tennessee. Um, it was really – it's just cheap here. 
Um, and we know he's a talented player. He's more of a yard after the catch, kind of like a Debo Samuel kind of guy um, with a low A dot. Um, but last week with DJ Chark missing the majority of that game, getting hurt in the first quarter, he was basically the focal point of this offense. I mean, he caught six or seven targets, had 99 yards. Um, he had a 36.8% target share, which was a season high. And his A dot in the game was 13.4. Um, so, you know, I, I think that at 4,800, taking on Tennessee, which allows 9.9 yards per target, they allow, you know, 53 DraftKings points per game against them and their 25th DVOA. We know how bad this Tennessee defense is. Um, I, I like Chenault here. Um, he's only averaging 10.1 DraftKings points per game. So, you know, if he gets that, it's not really going to get you there. Um, but I, I think that we can project him for probably – you know, 23, 24% of the team's targets. Um, and, you know, Lawrence is only going to keep getting better. More games he plays, he's only going to keep getting better. Um, so I, I think Visca is a nice value at 4,800. I prefer T. Higgins if you have the extra 200. Um, I much prefer T. Higgins, but um, Chanel is fine if you don't have the money. Yeah, my favorite thing about this play Two favorite things. One, we know Tavon Austin sucks, and he's pretty much just sliding into that wide receiver two role uh, with Chark out. Uh, this could predominantly playing in the slot. The second thing I like is how quick, how quick this offense moves. I believe they're the fastest pace offense in the league. Uh, if not, they're definitely top five. Um, we saw when Chark went out last week how much, you know, Chanel got peppered by Trevor Lawrence. We know he was a good prospect coming out. He's a pretty solid athlete. Um, so, yeah, I like to play. I definitely do like T. Higgins more now that we know that he's good to go for this weekend at 5K. If you have the 200, I agree. I much prefer Higgins, but Chenault is a fine play as well. Anyone else a wide receiver? Yeah, I'll touch on C.D. Lamb real quick. Uh, he's 6,200. I just think he's really cheap. Um, way too cheap, actually. Cowboys still have a, a 29 and a half applied total, so I really want pieces from this game. Same way we spoke to Zeke. Uh, Amari Cooper's been dealing with the hamstring injury, the same hammy that he hurt last week in that game against Carolina. So he could be hampered. He did not practice Wednesday, but he did return to practice Thursday and Friday. So he's probably going to suit up. Is he going to be limited? Hard to know. Um, but it, at least, you know, it, it at least, I think for me, boosts Lamb a good bit above Cooper at a similar price tag. And I mean, Lamb has. You know, statistically, it's been the alpha in this offense. He's leading the league in air yards, target share, snaps, and whopper. And most of all, I don't expect Dalton Schultz to continue being an alpha and leading the team in targets every week. So I think this is a nice <laughs> time to get back on CeeDee Lamb. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz had 15 targets the last two weeks. I do not think that's going to continue. Uh, he's barely playing more snaps than Blake Jarwin. Uh, I think, you know, this is a get-right spot for CeeDee Lamb. Probably Amari Cooper as well, but at 6.2K, it's a good, it's going to be a great game environment. I love these Dallas Giants games. They seem like they always shoot out. Um, so I think CD Lamb's really strong. Uh, I'm absolutely with you on CD Lamb. Still averaging eight targets per game, you know, 23.6% target share compared to Amari Cooper at 19.1. So, um, you know, he's getting more looks from Dak. You know, this Giants defense allows a 74% catch rate to wide receivers, which is the worst in the league. Um, still has a nice A dot at 11.5, so he's not just getting his underneath shit. He's getting some stuff downfield. It's only a matter of time. CD's an absolute stud. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, Dalton Schultz. I bet the under on his prop at 44 and a half yards. 
I just can't see him continue. You know, he's basically splitting routes with Blake Jarwin almost 50-50, and he's just getting a lot more targets. He's just getting a lot more targets per route run than um, than basically any tight end in the NFL. And I, I don't think he's an alpha like that. I think that CeeDee C- Lamb will um, – I think he will command the lion's share of the targets. This week, 6,200, awesome, awesome price, great game environment, fast pace, in the dome, you know, all the, all the things. He's he's an awesome play, 6,200. Moving over to tight end. Um, so with Rob Gronkowski out, we get Cameron Bray at 3,300. I wish he was a little bit cheaper, but 3,300 still, you know, in that range of punt tight end, which we love to go after. Um, so with Gronk out last week, Bray played 64% of snaps and ran a route on 31 uh, pass attempts. O.J. Howard ran... Uh, a route on only 15. So he's basically doubling up OJ Howard in terms of passing routes, um, which is something which, you know, a couple of years ago, we would think, okay, OJ, oh, you know, Gronk's out, OJ Howard, he's a total smash. Um, but I don't know what the hell's happened to OJ Howard. He's such a great athlete. He was a first round pick in the NFL draft. Um, he just has not been able to put it together, put it together at all for whatever reason. Um, but Cameron Bright, you know, 3,300, Miami. It's just a terrible defense for whatever reason. I thought they were going to be good, um, but they've allowed a 10.7% touchdown rate to opposing tight ends. I mean, with a 29 implied total at home, fast-paced game, no Gronk. I mean, 3,300 is a little cheap for uh, Cameron Braid, who's likely I, – I, I think it's very possible he scores a touchdown um, and maybe two. At 3,300, he definitely has – you know, with, with these cheap tight ends, we always look for touchdown upside. I think that's like the most important thing with these punt tight ends. And I think he has the highest touchdown upside of any tight end that's under 4K easily, easily. I am totally on board with Cameron Bray. For me, it's just Tom Brady plus tight end equals thumbs up. <laughs> um, so we know how much Brady loves his tight ends. They are going to absolutely truck Miami. Uh, I mean, they – like I think Tampa Bay team total in the first half is a really solid bet. In the second half, they, they may they might be up thirty. Like honestly, I think this is going to be such a blowout. Um, I bet Brady over two and a half touchdowns already. I, I absolutely love this game for the entire Tampa offense. Cameron Bray is a good player. We've targeted him in the past in DFS uh, as a punt play, and he's always been pretty nice to us. So I am completely on board there. Another punt guy that I like is Evan Ingram at thirty two hundred. Uh, the last two weeks, he's had six targets in back-to-back games. Um, Shepard and Slayton are probably both going to be out again, both with hamstrings. Both were DNP all week, so that lines up pretty well from a target perspective for Ingram. And it's a nice matchup. Dallas allowing the eighth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And the game environment, 52.5 total. I like the over in this game. Everything about this game I love. I just want pieces. I love Daniel Jones. I don't, I don't remember if he touched on him, but I think he's a really solid play at 6K. Um, but, yeah, anytime you have a 3,200 tight end that you can project for six-plus targets in a game that has a 52.5 total, that's just going to be really, really strong. And we know how good of a player Evan Ingram is, so uh, I really think I really like him this week. And the other guy I really like is Ricky Seals-Jones at 2,500. As I mentioned previously, Logan Thomas was put on IR, which um, makes RSJ the top tight end on his offense. Again, it's a really ugly game environment, but he's min price. 
and he played 92% of the snaps last week when Logan Thomas left. 92% of the snaps. That is elite. He only saw four targets, but again, he's a mid-price tight end playing 90-plus percent of the snaps. I don't care about the game environment. Four targets for a mid-price tight end is fine. And we know that uh, New Orleans boasts one of the league's best run defenses. And in combination with that, it came out today that Antonio Gibson has a stress fracture in his shin. It could mean that they scale back his workload and just the workload and, uh, and the, the running, the rushing volume in general. So this might be a little bit of a pass happier attack from Washington. Heineke's looked good. So that I'm not saying they will or they won't, uh, you know, prioritize the passing game, but it at least optimistically makes RSJ a little bit of a better play as well. But if you're playing Curtis Samuel, I would not play Ricky Shields Jones in the same lineup. I, I just would not play two punt players from the same game in a terrible game environment. That's just not something that I think yeah. um, is smart for cash games. I agree. Uh, one more thing to touch on on Evan Ingram. <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, we know he's a good player. Are we sure that we know that he's a good player? Because this guy fucking sucks. Like, as far as I can tell, he fucking stinks. I mean, he's averaging like 3.8 yards per target this year. Like, he fucking – and uh, he's been bad for a while. Um, but he still gets peppered with targets. I mean, you mentioned six targets per game. I mean, the nice thing is Dallas is pretty bad against putting tight ends. They allow 8.7 yards per target and 16.5 DraftKings points per game and a 73% catch rate. So that's nice. And so hopefully we get some kind of efficiency from this guy. The nice thing, it's in a dome. We know he's an elite athlete. Or at least we have that. We know he's an elite athlete. We don't know if he's very good at football. Because, um, I mean, this guy <laughs> – He's been bad for a couple of years. I, I thought he was really going to explode. He's had some flashes here and there, but I mean, I don't know if he's actually any good. We'll put it this way. We'll put it this way. He had one of the best rookie tight end seasons ever, and he was at some point he was like a fifth or sixth round pick in fantasy. What he does suck at is staying healthy, and he has not been good with Daniel Jones at the helm at all. So, but at thirty two hundred, regardless, he's a good athlete. He's a fine enough player. Um. And he's 3.2K in the best game environment of the sleep. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, he's he's I think he's probably the best tight end play on the slate, I think. It, it's him and Brate for sure. Him and Brate are neck and neck. Yeah. The other thing I do want to mention that I just saw the news came out. So Jimmy Garoppolo is out. Um, but George Kittle is doubtful. And so that that to me, that really actually hurts Trey Lance a good deal. Um, because he's an awesome receiver, and obviously he's an awesome receiver, but he's an even better blocker. And so I, I think that really hurts the hell out of this offense and kind of, you know, it, it's not going to push me completely off of Lance, I don't think. Um, but I, I'm going to do some looking and see what I can do. Ross Dwelly is the tight end who's going to slot in. He's 2,700. Uh, I I don't know. It's just another one of these cheap punt tight ends. Um. But I mean, Frost yeah. Dwelly. Yeah, I mean, so on this Evan Ingram thing, I just want to mention one more thing. So in 2017, he averaged 11.3 yards per reception. And then 2018, 12.8, 2019, 10.6, 2020, 10.4, and now all the way down to 6.9. It's only been two games. Um, so you know, I kind of expect that to come back. Um, he's, he, he's just, he has too much pedigree, he's in his fifth year. 
I mean, he's got to get it going. If he doesn't get it going now, his career is going to end pretty quick. I mean, he's not going to be on a on the Giants next year for sure. He's going to go somewhere else. So maybe maybe once he leaves, it's a atrocious franchise that maybe if that in combination with him potentially staying healthy for once in his damn life, which I don't count on, maybe then we'll see a little bit of better production from this guy. Anything else to touch on before we call it quits? Oh, yeah, I'll give you my my uh, windmill for the week. And I actually got? like him even more now that Kittle's doubtful. It is Debo Samuel at 7,100. Okay. I'm, I'm just buying in. Like, the car, the cards are allowing the fifth most fantasy points opposing wide receivers, over 44 points a game. He's got a 32.3% target percentage, fourth in the league. He has 36.8% of the team's air yards, a .74 whopper, sixth in the league, .76 fantasy points per route run, fifth in the league. And Kittle – this year as a 22% target share. Last year he had a 24% target share. Now he's going to be gone. Um, I think that sets up really well for Devo. And Brandon Ayuk, for, for right now, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. I thought he was a great player. He's really good against man and press coverage. Graded out exceptionally well as a rookie in reception perception last year. But for whatever reason, Devo is just the alpha right now. And I, I think we just ride that wave until we see otherwise. Uh, the only thing we don't know is if Jimmy, if he's going to be targeted at the same level that Jimmy G targeted him. So that, that has to be determined. But with no, with no Kato, I, I think Devo is a windmill at 7.1K. I want to touch on one more thing on Evan Ingram before we get out of here. So for his career, he averages 4.3 receptions for 47.5 receiving yards per game. In eight games against Dallas, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, but in eight games against Dallas, he's averaged five receptions for 55.4 yards per game. So slightly better um, production in his career versus Dallas in eight games. So not a completely tiny sample. Um, just something else to mention there. If we get five for 55 for Evan Ingram at 3.2K, I mean, that's 10 and a half DraftKings points without a touchdown. I, I think that Evan Ingram's that's a smash. He's a smash. He's a smash. Um, all right. So you with that, a, you have anything else? You have a windmill? Do I have a windmill? Uh and I, I really think CeeDee Lamb gets it going here. He has – I mean, he had that great first game just because of the volume. I think he gets it going here and, and just totally smashes. Uh, 6,200 is too cheap. I bet the I bet the over on his profit, 66.5 receiving yards. I think he smashes this in the dome. Massive total, taking on the piss-poor Giants. Uh, I, I love CeeDee. I think it's time. It's time. It, it, we, we know that these year two receivers break out. Um, at extremely high rates, and he had an awesome rookie year. I think that he's only going to keep getting better. Dak's playing out of his mind. It's in the dome. I, I, I love CD. 62 is too cheap. He's, he's too cheap. Way too cheap. 62 is too cheap. I, I, I love it. All right. With that, that's going to do it for episode 30. What I say? 32. I think I believe it's 33 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. We'll be back on Monday breaking down our decisions, doing the debrief to see what we got right, what we got wrong. And until then, good luck, everybody.